Hello, welcome to the Loney Show. I'm your host, John May Loney, and in this episode, I've not brought some regulars because I just don't feel like it. But anyway, as for our guest, she is from Austin, Texas. Uh, she is an indie author, and yeah, that's it. Indie author. That's Sounds it. like a good title for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I could always add more words in as a writer. There's always more words I could use, but I've learned that apparently sometimes that's a bad idea. So just just a little indie author. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Hayden Knight. Da, 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 da. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I was listening to some other episodes earlier. I'm stoked. Um, yeah, where, where should we get started? Well, let's start off with how's your life going? Oh, boy. Life is crazy. Um, as always, you know, I'm over here in the U.S., so I'm kind of like in the middle of almost like a capsule toy in the middle of a dumpster that's on fire is like how it feels. And then mm -hmm. the plastic is burning. So, you know, you just got to do your best. Um, but in terms of my work, I'm getting excited. I'm getting really close to publishing my second novel under this, this pen name, which is the second in a series. So I just got to do some final like proofreading edits and, you know, some book wrap design. I got to talk to my designer and hopefully here within the next couple of months, it'll be out and I can keep moving forward with my life. Okay. Nice. Now, what books have you written so far? So I've actually written a couple of books in my life, um, but under this pen name as Hayden Knight, I have written, I've currently just one published. It's Queen of Magic, The Revolution. It's the first in a series and also the first to sort of set up a, a fantasy fiction world that I want to really delve into. So this first series, the Queen of Magic series is going to be three to four books. Um, depending on how some of that like side stories were at, we're going to see, I've written obviously the second one it's, it's done, but I'm really poking around with the third and fourth. And then once that series is complete, I plan to continue writing in the world in different parts of it with different characters. So kind of an overarching series with mini series. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what inspired you to become an author? I've always loved reading ever since I was just a wee, a wee little kid. And I've also always loved storytelling. Like storytelling is a huge passion of mine, especially stories centered around characters, character driven narratives. That's my shit. I studied, or that's my stuff. I studied um, psychology very briefly when I attempted to go to college. And then I was like, why am I in college? I want to be an author. I don't need this. I'm wasting my time. Um, so I love studying people in that way and like how people think and, you know, our inner worlds and putting that into fiction. Specifically, I realized I wanted to be an author when I was um, the spry age of eight because of ironically standardized tests uh, for me where I was in, in Texas at the time. That was the first year we did the standardized writing test. So our teacher, like it was like a third grade teacher or something or second grade, I forget, but we had this whole notebook. We had to do all these different writing prompts in. And because I was a huge nerd, I would blaze through all my assignments. And then my teacher would be like, well, just write whatever in your notebook. And so I would write like Pokemon fan fiction <laughs> in my notebook. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be an author. This is great. <laughs> 
And then I just never changed my mind. So I just really committed. Wow. Well, that's a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Anytime. So what, what do you like about being an author? I enjoy so much of it. Um, I was actually, you know, because I've been writing since I was eight. And then I started writing a little bit more. I started like inhaling books when I was like in middle school, you know, puberty, when you just really need to escape life, just mm -hmm. started inhaling books. I read a lot of Tamara Pierce. I read um, the Aragon series at the time. I was obsessed with just a lot of, you know, classic fantasy um, in that time frame. And then when I was in high school is when I really, really leaned more into writing. And I actually um, wrote my, finished my first novel the summer leading into my final year of high school. So it's like 17. And I finished my first novel. It was a fantasy novel. It was very bad, <laughs> obviously, because I was 17. Um, I can appreciate parts of it, but it is no longer available for purchase. And it is a hidden gem. Or I, maybe not even a gem, a hidden rock, but I'm grateful for it. And I was able to self-publish it with the financial support of my parents at the time. And I literally, like, you know, going through being a senior in high school, um, my final year of high school, and having, like, emails in my inbox about my book, like, that was, like, a very particular feeling. And I really loved going through the whole process, and I did a lot of studying, like, for years before then on how the publishing industry was at the time and even, you know, still applies to today, indie versus traditional publishing. Like I really thought about all these different avenues. I talked to some teachers I knew who were like writers or um, authors or trying to be published authors. It was just, it was a lot. And I realized how much I loved the business of it as well. So I'm actually a very left-brained person, stereotypically. <laughs> Um, of course I study psychology, so I know that that's not actually like super rooted in fact, but, uh, in terms of colloquially, I am a very left brain person. I'm very logical, but then of course I also write fantasy novels. So there's, it's being an author and an indie author has really allowed me to explore all these different parts of that. And in the future, I really want to do more with that, like treating it both as a business and as this really awesome, creative art based venture, if that makes sense. Oh, yes. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, so I love all of it, except for social media. That's the only part I don't like. I'm currently looking to hire somebody <laughs> to do that okay. for me. Uh, but everything else about being an indie author, I love. <laughs> okay, that's great. Is there, is there a specific genre you do, that you write your books towards? I I like to think of them as new adult, which is like kind of, a genre that some people don't really super acknowledge and some people do. Um, we tend to think of like, you know, there's, a, there's adult fiction, not necessarily inappropriate, but like, you know, geared towards adults. And then we think of like YA young adults and it's between those. And that's kind of where the quote unquote new adult fiction lives. So I like to think of um, people who are really anywhere between teens to like the thirties is kind of my ideal audience. I do a lot of not really coming of age stories, but more of um, coming into the self, like as an adult, you know, my, my stories deal with a lot of trauma, 
or not a trauma, sorry, a lot of themes around trauma and healing and found family, which in my experience tends to be sort of where you end up when you are an adult, but you're still kind of new to it, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of my target audience. I also do really lean towards um, LGBTQ audiences because I'm a queer author, I'm a queer person. And um, not as much in this first book in the series because there's a lot of other things going on. But more and more queer themes are kind of explored throughout the series and then with future, with future books as well. Okay, nice. What, what have been the high and low points of being an author? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, unfortunately, there are so many low points, right? It's, it's a very difficult thing to have any sort of success in, a very difficult avenue to have success in. I'm absolutely not, you know, financially independent as a, as a writer. It's still just a something I have to invest a lot into, which is, you know, part of the process. And it can be really hard when you're struggling to get noticed. Obviously, you know, a lot of writers, especially when you're new, you're trying to build your audience so that you're not like beholden to the Amazon monster the rest of your life, ideally. And so it's just trying to get people to notice. And in a culture where sometimes people are mad if a book is at 99 cents, that's like really rough when you think about how much time and energy and money goes into making one book. Um, it's years and years and hours and hours. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you want $5 for that? That's like a lot. And you have to really like be okay with yourself <laughs> to kind of function and really do a lot of like coping with your own self-image and your own sense of like, okay, I've got to keep pushing past this. I've got to keep going. I actually saw... Um, a comment on an ad I'd run at one point through Facebook uh, for the book. And specifically, because I offer a little, little tiny plug, if that's okay, I offer the first part of my book for free on my site, authorhaydenknight.com, um, for folks as a, in an attempt to build kind of an audience that I can communicate directly with. So not even chapter one, the whole first part. And so I had an ad run and somebody commented like, oh, why do they always have to have several books in series? Like, why can't they just have one? And I totally understood where they're coming from, but I ended up writing this whole reply uh, where I was like, you know, honestly, it's because it's a lot of work. I don't want to have to do this all for just one book. Like, I want to keep exploring that. So I think the low or the lows kind of end in that area where you have to almost, even just within yourself internally, but including externally, justify the existence of your work and its value. That can be really difficult when you're not seeing a lot of positive feedback or a lot of success. It's tough. I think the highs are, there's like a particular, almost like spiritual level, like high that I get when I'm really vibing with my work whether it's while I'm writing or if I am engaging with somebody who's read it and really enjoyed it, or if I'm working on um, any of the business aspects, like there's, there's just something that feels very right about the work to me. Um, I am always, you know, my therapist always says that I'm much better when I'm writing consistently or working on my book consistently. Like it really shows in my mental health and well-being. So honestly, it's just being able to consistently do the work is the high, which is how I know that this is what I want to do. But the low is when it's really not going well. And I feel like I have to justify it internally and externally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And no matter how bad things get, it only, it's only, only going to get better from here. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So is there any books that you're planning on writing in the future? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have this series, the Queen of Magic series, um, which the first novel is Queen of Magic, the Revolution. So you already probably can tell what it's about. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And then the rest of the series is a build on the events, of course, in the first book and the characters that are introduced in that book. Um, and then from there, I kind of go, okay, here is, for the most part, chronologically, the first book in this world that I'm writing. So what happens because of the events in this story? And I've kind of pinpointed some characters that I think are really interesting and just there isn't time to explore them in the, you know, the way I would like to in the, um, that first series. So I'm like, okay, uh, let's let's look into this. There's a character introduced in the first book named Cricket, um, and it's not a normal name, <laughs> but that's what she goes by. Um, and she is essentially somebody who has a very deep connection to dragons, long story short. And she plays a part in the series, but she's kind of just still like this teenager. She's very plucky. Um, she's willing to like insult a fully grown dragon. And I absolutely love this character, even though she's very different from what I normally write. But again, like there wasn't a whole lot of time to get into what she's going to do, what she's going to accomplish. And so that's a story I want to explore. Like, okay, where does she go after this series ends and these things happen? And what, what does she do? Um, a kind of tentative title I have for the overarching series is the Legends of Savros, which Savros being the name of the world. So the idea that any of the books or series that I write up that I write in this world are going to be about the people that have a huge impact on it, whether or not that's super visible. I have plans to write another series that happens decades after this first you know, series in another part of the world. Um, that is deeply affected by these events and sort of showing how, you know, because we see this in the world. I, I actually really enjoy history. You see everything is just this string of consequences, if you will, actions and consequences into other actions and consequences. And so really playing out this world and going, okay, so all of these things happen. What's a natural consequence of these events or what makes sense that's going to change in the world? How is Queen of Magic, the revolution. So this theoretical revolution in one part of the world going to instigate conflict in other areas of the world. How is this going to change things? Um, and so that's kind of what feeds additional books I want to write. I may also like, you know, at some point decide to branch out and write unrelated um, fantasy novels or maybe even um, more, uh, what's the term, urban fantasy or something like that. But right now, I'm, I'm really committed to this more traditional high fantasy. Okay, great. Now, have you ever thought about having the, your series like being turned into a, like, a television show at some oh, point? Yeah. What writer doesn't think about that, right? Every, every writer, um, whether you're a, a kid, an adult, you know, a, a spirit, uh, <laughs> every writer, I think, uh, imagines like what if this was turned into like a movie or a tv show uh it's fun to imagine i have obviously imagined it for the sake of fun but i will say i think it's very unlikely the technology is there these days which is really awesome for like fantasy series and then we've seen series like game of thrones that's happened and everything um 
with you know considerable success all things considered i know the ending was very volatile for a lot of people but overall it was very successful but i don't know that it would be super realistic because one of my one of my tenets if you will as just a person but also as a creative is the value of representation and the integrity of the art itself so i don't i like to think that i'm not a control freak and i think i'm not in most areas but because it's so important to me that my work have a positive impact or at least a neutral impact on the world if it were ever if i were ever in a situation where an adaptation was being considered i would need a lot of you know oversight into what's going on i would need to because my name would be tied to it and I wouldn't be comfortable sort of just handing it over and let people doing what do what they want and potentially make really harmful choices. Um, so I don't think it would happen because <laughs> I don't think that anybody who wanted to, that if in the future wanted to adapt it, would be comfortable with me being like, eh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're going to have to do some things very specific. I mean, there's, there's, there's always potential for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't I like to, you know, say, like, okay, it's not that it definitely would happen. It's just I'm also not going to sit there and be like, wow, one day it's, you know, I can't wait. Like, I'm not going to hold my breath. Plus, I also have like a lot of feelings about I think it's really hard to take a book and adapt it into anything else without really getting creative and making it more of an interpretation. So like a, a traditional adaptations are really hard because you can't ever get as detailed as a book on screen, you know? And everybody has their own ideas about what this world looks and feels and sounds like. So you can never really create something um, in terms of movies and TV shows that's going to satisfy the audience when they already have so many ideas about it. So I already think there's kind of like, it's a little tough already. I'm like, mm. it's a, it feels like a losing battle in a lot of cases um, for people who try to do these adaptations. I really feel for them. But you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say no without talking about it. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Now, what's your favorite season? Um, my favorite season is one I actually don't have access to. It's autumn, fall for sure. Uh, I live in Central Texas, so we don't have that here. I have, I've lived, I was born in Central Texas and I've lived here most of my life, but I did briefly move around and I got to live in um, the Northeast USA where there is like a beautiful fall and there's like all these gorgeous leaves and it's like this cool, crisp weather and it had a huge impact on me. So that's my favorite season, even though I've never experienced it since. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, autumn is such a beautiful season of the year. So beautiful. Seeing, yes, the leaves falling and it's all brown weather. It's just a beautiful experience, you know? Yes, and I like the cool weather. I love a rainy day. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I just think there's something very beautiful about it. Yeah, it practically rains every day where I'm from. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to, that's my goal is to end up somewhere where it rains more often. I think it's great. I also have very sensitive eyes, of special eyes. Uh, so it's easier for me just to see when it's a rainy day. <laughs> Amazing. I can look. I don't need like two pairs of sunglasses to function. Awesome. Yeah. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, my gosh. This is something I think about a lot because myself and my partner, we do want to move. Um, 
potentially, you know, to a different country, potentially to a different area. I think for me, where I ideally would want to live is almost more about the vibes of it. The idea of, of living somewhere that is very um, accepting, where I can be a part of a, a community that feels very warm and, and welcoming and really great in that way. Um, yeah, and okay. I think it's really more about the energy almost of just being in a place that feels very nice and homey. I've actually moved a lot in my life. So maybe I've like idealized that idea in my head. I okay. used to love stories about like super small towns. Now I know that they're that was a little idealized, but you know, I play a lot of like game video games where it's like, oh, there's a tiny little town and you have to help the little town. And I'm like, wow. So I love the idea of those small communities. <laughs> yeah. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm a cat person. I have a cat. I do like dogs. I appreciate dogs. But I also really appreciate boundaries. And I think cats are personified boundaries. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel about them. I love them. I have one. Her name is Petunia Petalfeet. She is a chunky little senior cat with extra toes on every single foot. And she's the center of my world, despite my best attempts to be a functioning human. <laughs> yeah. What was but I've also grown up with dogs. They're great. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. What was the strangest dream you've had? Oh, my goodness. Um, I've definitely had weird, like, author dreams where there's a whole narrative in place and then i wake up and i'm like oh, oh i'm not stephanie meyer i'm not writing that down <laughs> to tell myself i'm like no 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 uh but those could be fun because then you wake up and you go how did i think of that i'm trying to think of like a really good weird dream that i had recently i had a very strange dream because the pandemic is really strong still over here and where i am and i'm being very careful because i have people very close to me that are immunocompromised, so it could be very, very serious for them. Uh, but I had a dream where I went um, with several people to a bookstore for like the first time, like classic bookstore, Barnes and Nobles. And it was the first time we'd gone in years and years and years. And I immediately abandoned everyone I was with to go look around the fantasy section. Like I was gone. <laughs> I love books in all genres, uh, especially fiction books in all genres, but I was like honing in on the fantasy section. And I was going through all these books and reading through everything and trying to find like, oh, what's popular right now? Let's look at the YA, let's look at the adult section. I was going through all of this. I couldn't find a single book I was interested in. It was devastating, <laughs> which it sounds so silly, but like as a writer, the idea of going to a bookstore and finding nothing that you like want to take home is like un unfathomable. <laughs> yeah. So if you can get rid of a holiday, which one would you get rid of? Oh, that's, that's, oh man. Okay. I'm going to get roasted for this. Fourth of July. Uh, it's a U.S. holiday. It's honored, you know, U.S. independence, whatever. That's fine. I actually have a legitimate fear of fireworks though. Ah, <laughs> and fireworks okay. are a huge part of fourth, even more than New Year's, fourth of July. Oh yeah. Um, I've always had a fear of fireworks. It's gotten a little bit better and a little bit worse <laughs> with age because, at one point, I finally realized that it was a real fear, and it wasn't just, I wasn't just being dramatic, quote, unquote, um, which I realized this when I was at uh, one of the Disney parks with my family, 
and we got really close for a fireworks show. And I knew I hated fireworks, but we were so close. We were right at the edge of the water of this like lake and it was going up over the middle of the lake. So maybe like a mile out, there's fire exploding over my head. And I was just like in a ball, like I'm gonna die. So that would be the holiday I would cut, I think. No more fireworks, I hate it. All right, okay. I, I see where you're coming from, it's a fair point. <laughs> I'm ruining everyone's fun, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> what superpower do you wish you could have i would love to fly i think it would be great with or without wings i think wing maintenance would be a lot but i would love to fly i'm a bit lazy but i also like don't love driving and i live in texas where you kind of have to drive even though i live in a very like metro area our buses suck. They're notoriously bad. We don't have any good public transport. It's terrible. That add that to the list of like ideal places I'd want to live. Somewhere with public transportation. Wow. Um, I don't love driving, so I would love to be able to just fly places. No traffic. Oh, yeah. I'm just gonna go on a little flight. I don't have to be around people. I don't have to worry about like you know. I could go with my friends who really like. I have a my best friend loves hiking. I hate hiking. Uh, she could hike and I could just fly next to her. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. That would be, be awesome. great. So I would love to fly. I think it'd be convenient, but still like attainable in life. Like it wouldn't completely upend my life. Hmm. Okay. Right. What's your favorite drink? Oh, I have a, I have a small addiction to Dr. Pepper is soda. Um, it's a problem. I have one in front of me. I'm trying to get better about it. I don't drink coffee. I'm not huge on alcohol. I can't really enjoy tea. I'm obsessed with soda and lemonade. That's it. <laughs> Those are my okay. favorites. <laughs> okay, cool. Where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Oh gosh, 20 years from now. I just aspire to be, to have the energy of a slightly crazy eccentric eccentric aunt um that's my goal in life i don't plan on having children but i do have siblings so hopefully they'll have children that's their intent so that i can live my my crazy aunt dreams i won't be very old at that point at all so i'll be i'll be in transition to crazy old aunt lady um, <laughs> i i told <laughs> every time i drive by schools i did well in school but i hate schools um every time i drive by schools now as an adult i no matter who's in the car with me sometimes even if there's nobody i look at the school and i go free them free them so one of my plans when i do get older this would be a little like 20 years would be a little young for that but i could start early is to just hang outside school with hard schools with hard candy and a sign that says free my people um, and just protest schools so that kids can come out, they can have some hard candies, it'll be fun. <laughs> we'll have a great time. And I can encourage them to uh, say fuck the system and cause some havoc and probably get removed from schools. <laughs> okay. So those are some of my plans for aging. Uh, more realistically, I, I hope to just, I hope to be doing well and to be enjoying my life and working towards my goals. I hope to be a full-time author and to be really independent and contributing really positively with my work to towards, you know, representation and, and hopefully just being a, a positive influence on the world overall and having a good time. And then going and hanging out in schools and handing out hard candy and protesting their existence. 
Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Very specific visions for my future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so, if you could travel back in time, which decade do you want to live in? Oh, gosh. It's tough because I'm a lady and I'm an LGBTQ lady. So, there's not really a time that's good for me. But in terms of the aesthetic, I would love a good 50s vibe. I love a good high-waisted like skirt. Those are fun. They had cute hair. The red lip, red lipstick. Those were really good. I think it would also be fun to, one of the things I think would be great, would, this is such a uh, history nerd moment, would to be go back to like the 1700s in the US specifically for the Constitutional Convention. I'm really showing my nerd card here when a bunch of, you know, new US is new, a bunch of politicians got together like, oh, our system isn't working. What if we just secretly made a constitution? And then they did that for like a week. Um, that's like a super good <laughs> summary. I think it would be fun to sit on that. So if I could, you know, jump back to that time and just sneak in there, I wouldn't have been allowed as a lady, but I could just sneak and <laughs> witness a bunch of people make a lot of bold decisions. Hmm. I think that would be fun. Yeah, cool, cool. Is it better to use shampoo as soap or soap as shampoo? Huh. Is it better to use this is this is a good question. Um, soap as shampoo or shampoo as soap. If I had to pick, I might go the soap as shampoo route. Cause I feel like shampoo, I'm not an expert, but I feel like shampoo is specifically geared towards your hair for a lot of reasons. Um and if I was in a tough spot. I think I would rather have like body soap for the most part or whatever, you know, most regular types of soap do the job and then be able to, you know, use that on my hair. I think it would be okay. Long-term, my hair would probably suffer a lot, but the rest of me would be fine. I think that's important. Yeah. Get utilitarian right. about it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the longest travel journey you've been on? Oh, goodness. Um, when I was two months old. I was a wee baby. My family had to uproot because my father was in the military to from central Texas to a little island off Hawaii called Guam. And we had to fly into Japan and then into like Hawaii and then go. It was like this whole process. Obviously, I don't remember this, um, but that was probably the longest. I'm not a very travel. I haven't traveled a whole lot since. I would love to but it's a little difficult right now. That was probably the longest journey, having to go like all the way to Japan and like almost halfway back and then a little further as a two month old. Okay. I started nice. young. That's great. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Hayden, Woo! talking about uh, you. anytime. And until next time, stay tuned for more. <laughs>